Amen. Amen, kids? Amen, that's right. Alright, so the main point for us this morning is use your time to point people to Jesus. Use your time to point people to Jesus. Now here's what's happened. Something miraculous has happened here in Acts chapter 2, the pouring out of the Spirit at Pentecost. Okay, but then in verse 13, we see others mocking, saying they're just filled with new wine, saying, saying they're just drunk, right? They've had too much to drink. They've had too much um, mommy and daddy juice, as, as maybe the kids have, have heard. The kids, you all can't drink this. This is mommy and daddy's drink. And what happens is, is we will be a part of the miraculous signs, we'll be a part of the church, but then when it comes to someone mocking the church, we'll step back and say, no, we should just be nice to them. No, we should, they don't understand, so we're just not going to say anything. But I would encourage you this morning, church, and, and hopefully God would convict you. I don't want to be the one to convict, but I want to point us to the fact that we should take our time to point people to Jesus. This is so important. Peter could have been the Peter that we've read about in the Gospels where he's impulsive and he doesn't think about what he's doing. He just denies Jesus three times right after he had said that, I won't deny you. But Peter does what? He stands up. And he points them to a few things that we're going to look at. The prophecy, plan, power, and purpose. It's not going to be on the screen. That's my bad. Let me say it slowly. Prophecy, plan, power, and purpose. You all got the, the extra P this morning, right? I'm not going to uh, hold it back to, to three. We're going to talk about four. Prophecy, plan, power, and purpose. And this is what Peter's directing them to. He hears them mocking what's just happened, right? So when people mock the mighty works of God, when they mock what God is doing, we should not just sit back. We should speak up. So he points them to the first point is prophecy. He points them to the Word of God, which they would have known and known well, especially at this time of Pentecost. This is a, a Scripture that would have been read and would have been quoted. But what, is, what does Peter say? To, to start this all off, Peter's standing with the eleven. So Peter's not drunk. He's in, in fact, he's standing, and he's standing well enough that he's going to rebuke them with no slur of speech. He's going to say what needs to be said and take the time to point people to Jesus. He says, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Give ear to my words. So he's telling this is like one of the first sermons, right, that we're going to hear through the book of Acts. And Peter's preaching this message. And he says, give ear to my words. Be attentive church, to God's Word for us this morning. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. It'd be right about now, 9 a.m., right? I don't think anybody here is like just desiring, yeah, it's 5 o'clock somewhere, but it's not 5 o'clock here at, at New Hill Church. It can all wait. 9 a.m. He says it's early in the morning. It's the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out My Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, even on My male and female servants. In those days I will pour out My Spirit, and they shall prophesy. So what Joel is pointing, which is taking place here at Pentecost, is that we have now entered, from Pentecost, we've entered into the last days. 
Now we can look and we can see signs and we know when the end is, is drawing closer and closer to an end, but you can be sure that they were in the last days at this point, we're in the last days now, and until Jesus comes back, we're going to be in these last days. But what he says here when he quotes the, the um, prophet Joel is what has just happened. The very thing they're making fun of, the very thing they're mocking, is the very thing that God's Word prophesied to happen. So they shouldn't have been surprised. This shouldn't have caught them off guard. But as we know, church, sometimes it takes a little bit of direction and instruction for us to understand how God's Word plays out, especially with prophecy. But what does he say? Even on my male and female servants, in those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. What is exactly happening here? As they are speaking in tongues and prophesying, telling of the wonderful works of God, and they're being mocked. Joel spoke of these things. Joel gave them hope in the messianic king that was to come. The one that they crucified, we're going to see in a second. The one that they killed, the one that they murdered. That was the one that the Old Testament pointed them to. We live in a Christocentric world, so everything is revolved around Jesus. Before Jesus, it looked forward to His coming. And now we look back and hope in His, His resurrection. We look back, we have faith in Jesus. And actually, we have hope for the future. That these last days will eventually come to an end and the day of the Lord will come. Right? The things that are still to come, we believe. Now, there's some dispute on whether all of this has, has been prophesied. We know that some of it has because at least in verse 18, we see it's very clear that in those days I will pour out My Spirit, which has happened and happens at salvation, that we are united with the Spirit. We are given the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, to dwell inside of us, to convict and convince the world of sin. The reason we feel conviction for our sin is the Spirit moving inside of us. It's a sign that we have the Spirit. Pastor Simon talked about this last week. The, the signs, the, the evidence. And then it goes on verse 19 and on. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. And this is some of the stuff that we believe will, will happen. That we still are going to see that the sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. So before the Lord's second coming, these are the things that would have happened. And we've got a piece of it already. And these other things will happen. But then verse 21, And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So he's pointing them back to Jesus. He's taking his time to show the prophecy that pointed to the Messianic King, Christ Jesus our Lord. And that the fact that they're mocking is evidence that they haven't been listening. They're not simply mocking the early church. They're mocking the Word of God. And Peter takes the time to point them back to this. Back to verse 17. In the last days, I will pour out My Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Church, the beauty of this, the, the uniting and being given the Holy Spirit is that we don't have to go through Pastor Simon, Pastor Gary, or Pastor Michael to be with God. Now, we are commanded to be in and be plugged into a local church. But we can commune and fellowship with God every second of our life. 
And indeed, if you don't admit it or see it, He's with you. You can't get rid of Him. Just, you can quench Him. And he's not going anywhere. He's not leaving you. If you've been given the Spirit, meaning if you're saved, if you're regenerated, if you're born again, you have the Spirit. This is the priesthood of all believers, and this is very important for all of us to understand, not to disconnect us from the church, but to connect us to God in our everyday life so that when we're apart from our church, we know that we can still pray for one another, we can still be united with one another through the Spirit that's living inside of us. That's what makes us family, is that the Spirit, the same God that's living inside of you is living inside of me and is living inside of all of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And he pointed them to that prophecy. Now for them, think about that. When they could only be close to God through their priest, they could go into the temple, but they couldn't go into the Holy of Holies. Like you were like, and, and God's Word set it up, so don't hear what I'm saying as, as I'm, I'm dissing or saying that God's Word isn't as good as it could be. But it's the sense of like a second-class person when you have to go through another person, right? Are you tracking with me? Now, God's Word is not saying we're second class. He's not saying Israel was second class under the priest. But there was this sense where they couldn't be in commune and fellowship with God all the time. But we, church, we get to. And we should. And God's Word, from beginning to end, tells us of these things. And that's what Peter took the time to do. He says, you're laughing and you're mocking this. But there's beauty in this. There's prophecy here. This is not just us being filled with new wine. This is not just us um, running up and down aisles and dancing and doing all kinds of crazy things. This is the Word of God playing out before your very eyes. And he shows them, he says, this is a part of God's plan. Point number two. This was prophesied, but this is also part of God's plan. He tells them that this Word, he says, men of Israel in verse 22, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with Mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite, what church? Plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. This was God's plan. Now this is very important for us to understand because when we talk about, and, and if you even go back Three and a half minutes ago, I talked about Jesus being killed and being murdered. And in a sense, he was because he was innocent. He was guiltless, right? He had done nothing wrong. And they turned over a criminal in place of Jesus. So in that sense, killed. It says, killed by the hands of lawless men. But Jesus gave himself. Jesus took this on for His people. It says that this was the definite plan of God according to His foreknowledge, right? This Jesus delivered up, delivered according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. So there's this connection. Yes, you crucified and killed by the, lawless, the hands of lawless men, but don't you think you have victory in getting rid of Jesus? Because He's alive and He's well and He's King of all. This was the plan. Ephesians 5, verse 2. Paul hits on this. Verses 1 and 2. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ 
loved us and gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Scriptures go on and, and, and talk about Jesus giving Himself for us, laying His life down for us, for His people. So it's very important to understand that Jesus and the Father were not caught off guard when Jesus ended up on the cross. Jesus wasn't like, oh man, I did not see this one coming, so I need to find a replacement pretty quick. And I don't know who's going to fill his shoes. James is still like not believing in him, even though he's his brother. He's probably annoyed. I don't know who I'm going to find. No, this and what Peter's pointing us to is that, that these Scriptures pointed to Jesus and it shows us that this was the plan of God all along. Scripture shows that it was the plan before the foundation of the world, before creation, that Jesus was going to be glorified as a Savior, exalted to the right hand of the Father. This was the plan and it was not anything that could catch God off guard. And in this plan, we see the power of God. Point number three. So prophesied and the prophecy, we see that there's a plan, that God is in control, He's sovereign, there's nothing that is outside of his, his hand and outside of His reach that He is not overseeing and controlling. And in the plan, we see the power. What does he say? Joel is prophesying these things to happen. Jesus, this man... Jesus of Nazareth, whom you killed, he did many signs and many wonders, was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. That's not over. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. It was not possible for Jesus to stay in the grave, because he had no reason to be there in the first place. Our Savior, sinless, spotless Lamb of God. For David says concerning Him, I saw the Lord always before me, for He is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. This piece is so important. If we're going to take time to point people to Jesus, then we cannot miss the resurrection. If we're going to take the time to point people to Jesus, then we cannot miss the resurrection. Hey kiddos, what did Jesus do? What else did He do? Yeah, He raised from the dead. And that is so important for even our kids to understand that we don't just stop with Jesus died on the cross. They believed that. They did it to Him. But Jesus raised from the grave. God's plan wasn't just to see His Son into the ground, but to raise Him to life so that we could have life and have it abundantly. This prophecy of David is not simply about David. And I'm going to let Peter preach for us for a second. Let me read this. What he's quoting from the Psalms, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. And then Peter preaches. I don't have to this morning. Listen to this. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. So we kiddos, all of us, every person in here will, will see corruption. We will die. We will go into our tomb. But by faith in Jesus, we will be raised. 
But David's still there. When I go, you'll be able to dig my bones up and be like, just as rotten as he was when he was here. But what it says about David and then turns us to Jesus, Jesus was a, or David was a type that pointed us to this, but this was something David could not do. This was about Jesus. Verse 30, being therefore a prophet, knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, talking about Jesus, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. He was raised on the third day, which is about the time your body would start to decompose and see corruption. It was Jewish custom, right? you got to get him in. But Jesus, our Savior, did not see corruption. The resurrection is a crucial part that can never be left out of the gospel presentation. If we take time to talk about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, we must talk about him being raised to life so that we too, in Christ Jesus, will be raised with him. That is so important. Now imagine, you know, somebody, you move up to Cleveland, we love talking about a Christmas story. Maybe you guys don't. I'm from West Virginia. We love a Christmas story. You guys could be tired of it. But if I was going to give somebody a recap about you know, a little synopsis about a Christmas story. Give them the whole thing, spoiler alerts and, and everything. I start telling them, yeah, it's about this, this little boy. His name's Ralphie. And, you know, he's got the buckuses with the dogs and like the bumpuses, whatever they're, they're called. And they're, they're rowdy. And um, pretty much the whole thing, he wants this BB gun. And, um, you know, by the end of it, he, he gets the BB gun. I just say that, right? And I never even tell them that you'll shoot your eye out, kid. That's like the main part of the movie. It's the best part. Everybody knows that part. It's like, you'll shoot your eye out, kid. And he's out there and he's, he's going to shoot the BB gun. He like aims it and it pops back and actually hits him in the eye. Like, if you miss that part, you miss the movie. Now, if you miss the resurrection, you miss the gospel. So if we take time to point people to Jesus, we must talk about the resurrection. And look at the power the power. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held. It was not possible. And by the power of Christ in us, it will not hold us on the last day either. But just like David, we'll be put in a tomb. But Jesus showed us of what we have to hope in. That this body, though broken and it will see corruption, God will raise on the last day. Peter wanted them to know, and this is something, church, we should want everyone to know, because this points us to our purpose, point number four. The power of the resurrection points us to our purpose in Christ Jesus. It says this Jesus, in verse 32, God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God. He continues just connecting all these dots, connecting the plan for them so that they could see the power and lead them to the purpose being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into, heavens, into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all of the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made Him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. He connects the dot. Now remember, in the Gospels, the apostles were told not to talk about Jesus being the Christ. 
Isn't it interesting? They're told to withhold this witness that Jesus is the Christ, Jesus is the Messiah. They're told to withhold this while Jesus is here. But there will come a time when you tell. Jesus has just poured out His Spirit, and what do they do? They witness to His Lordship and His deity. That only the Lord could overcome death like this. The guy you killed, that you dumped into the grave, that you thought was done, God has made him both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were convicted. It pierced. It stung. They hear this, being convicted, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? They had nothing left to say. They hear the prophecy, they hear the plan, and they see the power. They see it before their very eyes. All the prophecy and the speaking of tongues. What shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now let me stop here, because this verse has been known to be uh, a, a foundation for controversy. So I just want to set the record straight, and if you have questions, you can come and talk to one of the pastors. Now what this says is, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Do you have to be baptized? And I'm just going to say, don't answer this, please, for the sake of anything that could come out. Do you have to be baptized to get to heaven? I'm going to say no because what we know is that the Bible talks about being justified through faith. Everybody tracking with me. Can I get an amen? We're justified by faith. Now, baptism is crucial. It's very important. We don't let people into our church membership without being baptized because it's the first step of obedience, we believe, because it's so closely related to salvation. But it does not save you. And if you come from that background... I'll just go ahead and talk about it. Hear it with grace and with peace. The church of Christ preaches this doctrine that your salvation comes through faith and baptism. And we would say, no, that's heresy. Because what it does is it puts things on you, it puts part of your salvation on you and your works, which we know from Ephesians is not true. We know from Scripture, all of it is not true, but it's important. But let's talk about this real quick. Romans 3. Verse 21, you don't have to turn there, but follow with me. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. To be received by faith. And he even goes on to say, down to verse 31, do we overthrow the law by this faith? Meaning, does it, we just get rid of the Old Testament, right church? We don't really talk about it much anyways. No. He says, on the on the contrary, we uphold the law. Christ has set us free, but He's also raised the bar for us. He said, you've heard that if you break this, or if you do this, you've broken the law. I tell you that if you've even thought it. A lot of times we, we look for the, the Jesus card to get us out of trouble, but Jesus has freed us from trouble and reminded us that we should be obedient. That we should be baptized to profess our faith. 
Now let's get into a little bit of the, the Greek, which I don't love to do. I'm not a Greek scholar, but it's important here. Repent. So we're back to Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for. Now that word for is ice in Greek. E-I-S. And it can also be translated because of which would be a very proper translation. And I can even say why we don't need to change it because we can understand it. We understand all of Scripture, right? It doesn't contradict itself. So when we come across what seems like controversy, it just requires a little bit more attention. Amen? At least follow that. When we come across something at face value, just this verse alone, it can seem like controversy. It's controversial, right? But it just needs more attention. Now that word for could be like this. Not my own translation, but the original language. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ because of the forgiveness of your sins. So because Jesus saved you and forgave your trespasses, you should be baptized. You should be obedient. Now the same can be said, because of the forgiveness of your sins, you should tithe. Because of the forgiveness of your sins, you should give your time. Because of the forgiveness of your sins, you should pray. Because of the forgiveness of your sins, you should do all of these things. But baptism, again, church, is so important and closely related to the moment of your salvation that you are telling the world. Now, Peter links this up because they were just mocking. And he says, don't just repent and walk away, but tell the world right now, that your faith is in Jesus Christ. Now the reason we don't need to change this translation is, think about an Advil bottle. Take two Advil for your headache. It's not saying take two pills to get your headache. It's saying take two because of your headache, right? To get rid of it. But it's the wording that we go with sometimes. But again, we have all of Scripture to show us. And Paul in Romans 3 makes it so clear for us, that baptism does not save you. Now, if you've been baptized with that understanding, I'd encourage you to talk to one of the pastors. We'd love to see you be baptized with this understanding, the biblical understanding, but understand that this is closely related. So he's telling them, repent, turn away from your sin for the remission of your sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then he reminds them of the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he says, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Himself. And with many other words. So He continues on. We don't even get the rest of the sermon from Him. We get more later on. We get other sermons from Peter. We get other sermons from the other apostles. But with many other words, He bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Nelson, you can go ahead and come back up. Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received His Word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. God saved 3,000 people that day. And notice, it's those who received His Word those who had trusted and already been changed, show the world. In a time where the Jews were, were gathering together at Pentecost and, and they were going and being a part of all their feasts and all the traditions, and these people were proclaiming faith in the one that they were just tied to, His death and His crucifixion, saying, you killed by the hands of lawless 
men, but now they're professing faith in that Savior. Church, the, the time for us to sit back and let people talk about Jesus and just let things slide under the rug, and I'm not going to speak up. It doesn't matter. I don't want to come across as mean. I feel like it's more Christ-like to just let it go. It's not. But notice and be encouraged this morning, church. Peter points them to Jesus. But God does the saving. We're going to see that again next week as we go into the, the end of chapter 2. We are the messengers. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are not Jesus and we have no power to save people. But we have obligation and duty as followers of Jesus to be baptized to tell the world. And also, we've been empowered by the Spirit to go and to tell of the mighty works of God. That is a job, but it's not simply a job where it's like, oh, i got to do this. It's an honor to tell people of the hope that we have in Christ and Christ alone. By grace, through faith, alone. Grace alone, faith alone, and Christ alone. According to Scripture alone, and to God be the glory alone. It is so important to understand those points of the Reformation. And it's so important to understand that, that we take the time to point people to Jesus because we are to exalt the name of Jesus Christ. We are to point people to Him. And as we think about those things, I want us to be reminded that, that we get to commune with God every day because His Spirit has been poured out. We get to go and be witnesses. Acts talks about we get boldness. We get, we get giftings because of the Holy Spirit. Obedience is on us. The power is not. That's good news for me. I don't know, maybe, maybe that hurts for, for some of us who feel like we're the ones in control, we're the powerful ones, but we're not. 